On this episode of A State of Control, we take a little bit of a turn and talk about what it's like to manage programmers. How do you get to be in a management role? How do those skills differ from a programmer? And what are some of the challenges and aspects of managing that are required to be successful? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 89, Make Fate. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Chief, the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So today we're going to take a little bit of a departure from the technical side, although I'm sure we'll have some tech talk uh, involved in the conversation, but we're going to talk a little bit more about the career and the business side of a programming and what it takes to be a manager of programmers. So with me to discuss that are two guests who have uh, roles in management and work directly with programmers. And as Rich and I both have those experiences as well. And let me first start by saying hi and welcome, Uncle Richie. How are you today, Rich? I'm doing good. This is actually a, one I'm excited about. It's, uh, you know, there, there's a whole lot that goes on beyond the, uh, the bits and bytes of what we're doing. So these are two dudes that I want to I wanna hear their, their uh, Sermon on the Mount from. And I think it's also a good indication, too, that, that things are progressing. You know, we're... When we're having these conversations, we know things are going in the right direction. So first and foremost, let me welcome back somebody who's been on our show quite a number of times, and we're glad to have him here again. He is Dave Hatz, and he's from Room Ready. Welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks for being here. And uh, last but not least, uh, a newcomer to our show, but I know he tells me he's a, a frequent listener and I believe him. And I, we got a chance to hang out a bit at the recent Infocom show and uh, really had some great conversations. And I know he'll bring a lot to this program. And he is Mike Krejci and he's from CTI. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, glad to be on here and uh, glad to participate. Thanks for being here. So, as I mentioned, our, our, our podcast often talks a lot about the tech and we, we talk about what, what's, what is a programmer's role and what, what do they contribute and how do they get better and, and what skills do they need and what, what is the, the future of a programmer look like. And we often don't get a chance to talk about how programmers are managed and, and um, those people that play the role in companies where there are programming teams, and uh, they, you know, a lot of programmers are are individuals, but but then there's a lot of groups now that are forming, whether they're independent or in-house, um, in integration firms, at uh, uh, enterprise organizations that that uh, are a a team of programmers. So. Um, we're going to talk about what it's like to manage programmers and what what makes that work. And uh, Rich, um, you and I have have um, 
both started our careers doing programming ourselves and, and eventually had to make a choice. We had to decide, you know, are we going to continue to to kind of do things independently or do we want to be part of a team? Do we want to have people that we're overseeing, that we're mentoring and, and thus managing? And, and with that, you kind of have a little bit of a trade-off to uh, have to take on a different skill set. So could you talk a little bit about what that's like and, and also what, what are some of the differences between honing your skills as a programmer versus honing your skills as somebody who is leading programmers? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, we were just talking about this right before we recorded, which was um, a good programmer does not make a good manager. Uh, you know, it's a skill set um, that you individually have doesn't necessarily translate into being able to direct people who have the same skill set. Uh, I think that technical skill is something that's obviously important in what we do. Uh, and you can make a great living staying in that lane. You can have a great career trajectory path there's i think sometimes the concern is that we always have this idea that we have to constantly be taking the next step right and and even in programming i, I really don't care what what industry you're in I, you know here's the west coast uncle richie vibe right i'm i'm all, I'm all about fi follow your bliss right you know and and if being in there and working on it and doing the code and day in and day out and the challenges and the problem solving and everything else if that's your bliss you know there's nothing that says you need to go to the next level right or whatever the next level is expected to be um you know it's not a linear path with that said if a new challenge is being sought out then people are a whole lot more difficult to figure out than, uh, uh, you know, APIs, <laughs> you know, they're a lot more unpredictable. And, and so when moving and transitioning, and, and I'm in a unique position um, where we're small, we're, you know, we're a boutique firm, we, you know, by design. And so I have the luxury of still being in the trenches and, and, and typing away and, and having my fingers on the pulse of, what's available. But at the same time, I'm older and I'm towards the twilight of my career as opposed to the sunrise of my career. And so I'm having to find ways where, you know, I, I know, you know, I, I play within myself. I know my skills, but I know my weaknesses. And with projects and the way the technology is shifting, I know when to bring in others and to work with a team. And because of that, I need to be able to communicate what I have in my head to be able to get others to execute. And I think that from a management standpoint, as a programmer, I think it's a good skill to have, period. Um, to be able to translate what you have going on in a sophisticated thought and being able to relay it and, and put it down, <laughs> write it down, have a plan, and then being able to replicate that plan. It's, it's good business sense. And you know, from a business owner standpoint, I think it's critical. Because you are going to have attrition. You are going to have people who do take the next step, who are going to go to other firms, who are going to start their own firm. And so it's it's something that um, as a company grows, um, it is something to make sure of. And the good news is that there's lots of information and education out there about how to work with people. And, but it's tough. It's tough to admit, right? If you're really, really good at what you do and you're the smartest guy in the room, it's hard to admit that you don't necessarily know something, right? It's, it's, it's getting over that, that sense of weakness. And then 
embracing and saying, okay, this is brand new for me. And, you know, in the software industry, we talk about fail fast, right? Management's the same way. Learn to fail fast um, and, and, and embrace it and accept it and work through. So, you know, in a nutshell, um, it's going to make you a better programmer. Whether you think it does or <laughs> it does or not, ultimately it'll make you a better programmer because you will learn how to keep a process going. Uh, Dave, I'll, I think Rich laid out a lot of things that I'm going to try to tag onto, but but we could first start with with the people side um, for, versus the API, which I thought was a really interesting thing. And um, for, from from your standpoint. Um, I know that you you keep up your your technical chops and and attend training and and you know still pursue what what you need to 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 have your head in there. And but what what are some of the things that you've learned or have been challenging when it comes to managing pe- programmers from a people perspective? Oh, there's a lot there, <laughs> um, and you know, and, and you hit on it that. You know, for to, you know the journey I took transitioning from doing the programming to leading the teams that are doing the programming um, was a very conscious choice I made, um, and it's because I did want to take that knowledge that I had gained and do more with it. I wanted, you know, I realized that I could be doing the biggest and baddest projects, and I I felt that sense of accomplishment, and I really enjoy it, but at the same time. You know, I made the choice that I wanted to to take a different career trajectory to be able to bring others along and, and coach and mentor that out of others. Um, but that was a choice I made. And I think it's important, you know, I think, Rich, you hit on it, you know, a really important piece there that that jump is not for everyone. Because, you know, if you look at the personality traits typically of what make a good programmer. And I say typically because we see all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of personalities succeed as a really good developer. But when you look at it, it's that engineering mindset, that technical background, the attention to detail, the you know, the patience to get, you know, to 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 stick with things, persistence, stubbornness, frankly. Because when you're sitting in the back of a rack on Friday night, at 8.30 and all you want to do is go get dinner and go home because it's been a long week, what makes a successful programmer is someone who's going to stick with it and do one more round of testing because in their head they really know that's what needs to happen. So those traits, many of them can be very valuable in a transition to leadership of a team. But transitioning to a leader, you also introduce the, the, the traits to interact with the people, to, you know, managing personalities, compassion, empathy, become really valuable in my experience. And if you think about it, is compassion necessarily a necessary requirement to be a really successful developer? I wouldn't be on my top list. You can obviously make an argument for anything that there's value somewhere in it, but it's not top of my list. You know, is empathy is, um, you know, you know, you, you know, the big picture thinking, frankly, um, there, there's a lot of, of areas in dealing with people that are, that make you really successful or, you know, challenge you. And that's really it is a fork in the road from the the path that that a really good software developer likely has been on. So 
you know, I think that, you know, it's important to call that out. At the same time, I don't mean to de-emphasize the value that the experience a programmer has, you know, brings to, to perspective, to being able to make good decisions. And, you know, with that empathy comes accountability still. So, you know, if I'm leading my team, it's not just here's a pile, go get it done. It's I need to be prepared to use my experience to know what they're going through to help block for them, to help ensure that I've set the, the, I've set the, the boundaries of what's expected, but that I'm clearing the path for them to be successful. And so that background as a programmer really helps me see where I expect they may have challenges or when they come to me and say, I can't figure this out. Well, is it a challenge that's technical they can't figure out? Is it a challenge with the, the, the construction situation or the, the dynamics of the job? Is it a people problem they're experiencing? Whatever it is, being, you know, to be an effective leader, you need to be able to help clear the path, help them drive clarity to the, to the individual so they can perform optimally. So, you know, the long or the short of it all is it's so intertwined, but it's like you just take another skill set and put it on top of what you've already developed. And then you start honing that just like you honed becoming a good developer. It takes work. It takes practice. It takes coaching and mentoring and studying. There's so much you can do to, to or the, I would say you need to, to do to learn how to manage just like you learned how to program. Mike, uh, I think Dave touched on a lot of important things there, and I bring you in, you know, to to share some of your experience. You come from a similar background that, as as um, the rest of us, and, and I know that you um, are are somebody who gets their hands involved in a project when need be, but also has the responsibility of of overseeing quite a number of people doing a lot of different things. Um, it, is it important? that how how important is that experience that you have in being able to step in when you need to versus you know is is it more important that you are just a a good strong manager you know as Dave's talking about for, from the, the the personality side from the soft skills uh, and and then the you know, the other aspect is, is talking about, you know, how, how do you actually get things done from, from an efficiency standpoint? Yeah, it, I, I think it is important to have that technical ability that the chops to be able to communicate, right? Because we as managers are sitting with the rest of the leadership of the organization. You know, we're not just a programming house. We're doing integrations. We're talking to customers. So we're having those conversations with the salespeople, with the engineers, with the head of the salespeople, with the head of the engineers, with the clients. So we need to be able to talk about what something can do, what we can program. And having those, uh, the knowledge of what a programmer can do or what we can't do to go, yes, we can do that. May take a million dollars, but we can do it. <laughs> you know, to know that is definitely valuable and also to be able to know what your team can do and what they can't do. Oh, this is a project that'd be great for this person. Oh, this is over that person's head. I don't think they're the right person. Make sure that they're aligned and having that skill set 
to know what can be done, what can't be done, where limitations are is very valuable. Rich, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you kind of jump back in. You know, one of the things that you touched on too is about, you know, kind of being responsible for the next generation and, and being, and passing on those skills. Um, is, what does that look like? You know, is that, is that a manager's job or is that, is that more of a senior uh, programmer's job? I think tri tribal knowledge should be passed on at all times. Um, I think experience absolutely should be passed on. Uh, you know, again, it, it's being a team leader means teaching people how to be good team members, uh, you know, it, and, and um, you know, regardless of whether you've participated in team sports or not, you know, I mean, there's lots of examples out there about how teamwork creates an environment, you know, we, we use the term esprit de corps, right, you know, or, you know, in the ranks or in, you know, in the rank and file or, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's not the centurion way of doing things, right? Ours is not to reason why, right? It, it business is different now. It, business is a lot different now than when we started. And, and in the beginning, you know, 25, 30 years ago, right? You'd come in, you'd get the grizzled old guy who was kind of burnt out. And sure enough, I mean, these were guys that were still, you know, smoking a pack a day on a paint can, you know, on a job site, you know, and that was, just, that's just how it was. Um, it's different now. And I think for the good, for the good, you know, I mean, just, as, it's a bigger thing that's going on now, just society as a whole. And I think that, I think that Dave really hit it. Um, Empathy is something finally that is becoming a part of the natural workday. You know, in the old days, if I had a problem with, you know, I had to go pick up my kids or if there was something going on at home or a parent that I was caring for, right? It was always about the job, always about the job, get a job, you know, right? Your personal health, your mental health was not necessarily part of the equation. I think what we're learning as managers now is the importance of empathy. That when you give an environment for people to thrive and then you help others create an environment to thrive, they get better. They want to do more. They want to reach out more. Um, you know, but it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, because like I said, Dave said, it, I mean, he said, it's a lot to unpack. I mean, we're talking about massive shifts in how we work. Again, look at just the past year and a half, right? We all individually have spent decades trying to explain to people that our business works better if we're not there. And in the past year and a half, they're starting to get it. They're starting to go, oh, you don't need to show up here and do all of these things. You can actually just do it from your office. And, and so... It's, it's, it's great because there is this opportunity, truly an opportunity um, for companies to grow and companies to bring in. And, and I mean, we're in our industry, we're facing a labor shortage. We're not getting the young guys in. And so as a manager, you know, you've got to do the best with the ones that you are getting because we are lo losing them to the yeah. tech industry. You know, the ones you're going to get are passionate about what they do. You know, um, they're they're coming in because they really dig this stuff. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sitting in Silicon Valley, and so you know, a, a junior programmer coming out of a decent computer engineering or computer science school, um, 
there's a lot of opportunities available to them and that's who we're competing with. So we really have to work with providing this next generation coming through, right? That reach one, teach one. Um, because in our industry, we didn't have a software industry to compete with. It wasn't there. So we were a destination. We are not necessarily a destination for most computer science graduates. It just, you know, it, that's just math. Um, so as a programmer, and if you're going to take the next step, it's super important because otherwise all you're going to wind up doing is losing staff and being programming the whole time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like I said, I, I, I'm always interested to hear what Mike and Dave are, are doing because that's their day to day right now, right? Getting people in, retaining people, getting the people that they have better at what they do in order to grow. Because the way that these organ their organizations are built, you know, they got more work than bodies. So efficiency is a super important uh, concept right now. Well, and, and something, you know, too, that goes to that point of that developing talent, you know, when, when, when you advance into the, the ranks of, you know, of leading programmers, there's really two halves to it. If you think about it, there's management, which is getting the work done, getting the projects through, and then there's leadership which I look at, that's the place where I see the programmer has a real advantage as they transition into, into a, a supervisory role. Because to all the points, Rich, you just made about you know, making the, the most of the team you have, in that leadership, that's the point where you know, I find really beneficial that you know, I, know, you know, I know the journey, I know what it takes. And so when I have um, one of our assembly technicians come to me, and say, you know, maybe it's we're having we're out on a job site and we're having dinner and a couple beverages and we're sitting talking about, you know, okay, you know, what do you see, you know, five years from now? Well, I'd really like to do such and such. Okay, it's an opportunity for me to start to provide guidance of, okay, if you want to get there, have you ever thought of what the first step is? How about if either you could take this as a first step or more importantly, what step could I lay out for you as a first step to get you where you want to be down the road somewhere? And I think that's really important in that development of talent, that fostering, because if I look at, you know, you know, one of our field techs, let's say, they come in and they look and say, oh, this is all really good. And I can spot that they get it. They really understand and they're thinking about how these things work or want to be th understand how these things are work. Okay, if I can spot that five years from now, that has me, my next rock-solid developer or rock-solid engineer, whatever role fits them, I didn't have to go and screen and hire for that person and all the risk that comes with the turnover of individuals. And Rich, to your point, I've started with someone who's passionate. I've started with someone who wants to, who's there because they want to be there, not because it's a paycheck. And that is intangible. I've always said, I can teach the skills to many people. You can't teach desire. You can't teach passion. You can't teach, you know, common sense and the ability to think on your feet. Those things that make, we know make a good programmer. You can't teach that. And so by being out there and working with the, those in your organization to help mentor them, not just manage them, but mentor them. And I would say whether it's in my group, another group, or frankly, 
there's times where you know we give such good opportunities to an individual that their next step means they do leave our organization. I'm still happy for them because the journey we or you know the opportunities you know that you know we were able to provide for them gave them it set them up to make a better life for themselves and that's an important part in my belief to 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 keep in mind it's not just about managing to get jobs done as a leader that's an important part of it but it's the leadership too that comes hand in hand if we're talking about a successful manager mike uh, i'll let you uh take the next uh, uh carry the conversation further what 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 where do we go, you know, where, to learn these skills? Because, you know, we have, we, at least we know in the industry where to go when we're trying to learn something technical, but where do we go to learn some of the leadership skills that Dave's talking about? And, and is it something that is innate that, that you, you, ha- you use your instinct or, or do you um, find a mentor? Do you find, or do you, do you look for some type of education? Um, what, what, what's been your experience? I think some of it is is innate. I think it it comes to you with your passion for this industry, for the passion of programming. Some of that leadership is just part of that, right? We we express our passion, our love for what we do. You know, you know, you can tell by talking to to Dave, to Rich, to you, Steve. You know that we really enjoy what we're doing, and that's part of the reason we're we're on these podcasts. Is because we love what we're doing and we can then share that with others. You know, that's part of the leadership part. And the other part is, you know, reading, you know, um, you know, outside of work, you know, once you're done with your 40, you know, your 40, 50 hour week and, you know, getting the work done, then it's, you know, you're flying on a plane, you're, you're sitting at a beach, grab a leadership book, you know, and read it, figure out what's the, how can I be better my skills, right? Yes, we need to learn, you know, the programming languages, the technology, but I think for us leaders, it's trying to build those skills in more of a traditional way, you know, outside of the industry and trying to grab those leadership skills from, you know, books, podcasts, outside of programming. Dave, I'll I'll let you chime in if you want to add some more there or you know one of the things i keyed in on that that you said is you you, you made a a very conscious choice to go the direction that you're going in what 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 triggered in you to do that aside from you know feeling um that that you you want to help other people as you mentioned so the one i would say just just back to the previous question there yeah. for one second I would say, you know, the books and the podcast, I, I got to double click on that, Mike, because that's that's exactly, you know, the, that's the easiest one, honestly. And I've become, so I think, you know, you can Google leadership books and you can find the rated ones. My advice is read a handful of them. You will learn that not every bit of every book matters to you. Not every book agrees and you got to find what's right for you. But it's absolutely important there. The other one I really, from a continuous standpoint, is find a couple good podcasts. Um, one that I personally really enjoy is Modern CTO. And it's not just for CTOs, but it bridges technology from, you know, it's all areas of the IT stack and beyond. So they might be talking to someone, a leader in a Bitcoin organization. They might be talking to a leader in a Fortune 500 the next week. Um, so it, it spans the whole breadth, but they also talk, they geek out on 
what that individual does from a technical standpoint, but then they also weave in nuggets around both managing and leading. So just call out really good, um, you know, recommendation there. Um, as for, so Steve, what was the second part of your question there? I, I wanted I, to get that one out. So yeah, well, apologies what, there. What, um, what, how, how did it come to you to say this, this is the, you know, cause it's a tough decision. And, yeah. and I think that we, we've, we've tackled it from a, a couple of different angles. Well, so I think the first part, the first part of that is it didn't come to me initially. It was, I was given an opportunity of here, we have a challenge. You know, the, the leaders in our organization would come to me and say, Hey, I have a challenge. Do you think you could figure it out? You know, special project, if you will. Okay. Well, as I start to dive into it, then I need to pull some others in and then I pull some others in. And before I long, I'm leading a team. And then it's sort of, you know, and, and, and you do that a, a few times and then it starts to hit to you that, Hey, you know, that this is where I sort of did realize at one point that, Hey, I'm actually impacting and, you know, really accountable for the output of this team. And I like that, you know, that's the part where, you know, I like being able to make sure that we as a team cross the finish line together. I, I don't have that need to be the one in the front personally. That's just me personally. I don't, I don't need the glory and the accolades. I would much rather it go to my team. And so seeing and just sort of feeling that same rush that comes from the team being successful as it was when I would go in and spend the late nights on a job site, doing the work myself, um, you know, sacrificing anything and everything to just get it done. And with a family, I could minimize or reduce the travel some. Um, you know, it all sort of played together of, you know, hey, this is a is a, a path I'd like to go on when an opportunity comes up. And so then it was a matter of, you know, you know, both having the opportunities come to me, but also looking for the opportunities. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, yes, fate happens, but you also make fate. And so, you know, you know, I had some opportunities that I was able to also, um, you know, throw out ideas to my leadership of, hey, what about this? And, you know, I would have interest in leading this group or just sharing with leadership that I had interest in leading, because that's really important. If those who are empowered to solve the problems of an organization don't know what their team would like, would prefer to do or would like to do or the trajectory they'd like to go on, they can't help you. And so I think, you know, for me, it was also, you know, having, a, having leaders who, um, you know, who were true mentors to help develop my skills, knowing that that's the path I wanted to go on and helping me find opportunities. I think those, you know, sort of bring those three things together. And that's really what, you know, if you will, the light bulb going on for me was of here's the opportunity, um, you know, to make something of it. Appreciate that. Uh, Mike, do you, do you have a similar story or can, can you share what got you to where you're at? Because I think it'd be very helpful for those listening to, to understand. And, and I'm going to wrap up with Rich to, to kind of put a bow on it in the same, same fashion. Yeah, absolutely. So right now our company is fairly large. And, um, but when I started, we weren't. So there wasn't really a need for, you know, programming leadership 12 years ago when I started with the organization. There weren't that many programmers. They didn't need a leader, right? There was a leader, but 
he led everybody. So as the company grew, um, it, it was there was a hole, and I I noticed it. Some other people noticed it, and um, kind of like Martin Luther, I tacked a note to the to the door saying, uh, you know, here's our problems. Here's where we are. You know, this is where our gaps are. We don't have you know the best leadership, we're missing some standards, we're missing some processes, we need to be better as an organization, and it was, um, at that point, it kind of tapped me, and they went, okay, fix it, <laughs> um, to which I started fixing it from, as a, still as a programmer, and then they went, okay, you've, you've shown that you can fix it, you can make it better, here, you know, here's a position for you. So I started leading as a programmer, not as a as a manager, um, but it was leading that team. Here, here's how we can be better. Here's some sta We need this standards in these file names and the in where we put things, how we how we program, so that if I'm looking at it, or a programmer in California is looking at it, or a guy in Chicago is, we all can look at the same code and go, okay, I know what they're doing. They they did it right. They'll have to. So um, that's how it kind of got there. You know, it wasn't um, it wasn't by design that I got into leadership, but it wasn't uh, something I was against. Absolutely. Rich, uh, I think we're probably going to be continuing this conversation, but I just wanted to see if you want to provide a little bit of advice as to somebody who wants to go down this path. Yeah, and actually I'm going to, surprisingly i'm going to make this brief um so the honestly the, the first bit of advice that i have is first off if you're tuning into this podcast um there's three individuals not myself but there's three individuals who are responsible for day-to-day -day management of programming teams so reach out uh you know i i, I have to say that now where i'm at in my career i was lucky i i had people who sought me out to mentor me, right? They they took that first step because I didn't know how to take the first step. And so somebody was able to spot and say, hey, they're motivated, they're young, can't, you know, they got to pull their head out of their butt, but there's something there. Um, I know for me, as, as this has gone on and, and we've been doing the podcast and stuff, you know, occasionally somebody will reach out. That's what we're looking for. And, and I can absolutely say, you know, I'm going to speak for Mike and, and Dave in this case, they're going to welcome that. You know, you're not going to be a bother. We, we showed up on this podcast because if you don't know what you don't know, it's okay to send an email or a text or however, you know, you want to get this information out. It's okay to take that first step because we did. And and somebody jumped in for us. So, you know, for, you know, best advice I can give right now, write down these guys' contact information, Steve's or myself. Make that first step because if we don't know, we can point you to somebody who does. And, and can give you a quick overview of, hey, here's some things to consider. I know for me, my mentors have gone on, given me a little task. I've come back and showed that, one, I was motivated. Two, I was going to follow through. And three, it wasn't just a flight of fancy. And so once I did that, then they took an interest in me because they saw that I took an interest in it. Um, and once you do that, things will build. It's, it's neat seeing now, you know, five, six, seven years later, People that we've met through like AV Tweeps or through some of the podcasts or something who've approached us in the past, and I've seen their career trajectory, 
going. And so that meant, wow, they, they took their own advice. They sought things out and, and they bettered themselves. And we're now seeing the development of it. So, you know, uh, reach one, teach one really does mean something, but you got to reach first <laughs> if we're going to teach. Um, and so that that's honestly the best advice is get over that fear. Because, you know, like I said, programmers are a weird group, man. It's it's showing that sign of weakness, you know, all of a sudden the, the geeks, you know, try to thin the herd if they smell weakness in the ranks, right? You know, it, it doesn't work that way with what we're doing. We're genuinely committed to helping uh, whoever's tuning in here, um, you know, do something better. Do You know, just even if it's that little stuff or be a sounding board, you know, I mean, I can't tell you that sometimes, you know, we, we use rubber duck programming, right? It, you know, management's rubber ducking as well. It's sometimes just being able to say it out loud to go, oh, that's what I meant. So rubber duck it. And, and with, with that said, um, I, I think that we are going to continue this conversation. And if everybody's up for it, we'll, we'll likely do a, a follow-up episode. And uh, But before we do, I do want to give you guys a chance to uh, reach out to everybody. So um, I'd like to thank uh, both Mike and Dave for being part of today's episode. Uh, Dave, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about Room Ready, and, um, and ch- tap into some of your knowledge? Absolutely. And so I, I want to, you know, again, Rich, I want to, you know, double click on what you said is that, you know, I'm absolutely willing and uh, ready to, 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 to hear and to talk with anyone who wants to talk, you know, more in depth on this topic. Just, you know, I'm happy to share my journey, advice I might give. Um, so best way to contact me is LinkedIn. Um, just find me Dave Hats. Um, and like I say, happy to keep a conversation going. Um, find out about Room Ready. We're uh, on the on the webs at uh, roomready.com. Excellent. Uh, Mike, hopefully this has been a good experience for you and you'll be coming back soon. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about CTI? Yep. And I want to touch uh, just like Dave did on, uh, please do reach out to us. I told Steve uh, before the episode started, you know, we're about a different topic. We're here to make friends in this industry and not enemies, right? Um, programmers, let's be collaborative against with each other. Um, you know, your betterment is better for me too. So, uh, but you can reach out to me on Twitter or the LinkedIn at the Mike Krejci, Um and CTI. Go to cti.com. Uh, that's where you can find us there. And just so everybody knows, spelling K-R-E-J-C-I, so that you can easily reach out to Mike. <laughs> and uh, Rich, um, one of the things that I w- was going to talk about is a lot of the mistakes that we've been able to learn from, but we'll leave that for another episode. But, uh, how can people get in touch with you and uh, learn more what you're up to and uh, keep, get your, your infi- insight and advice? Well, yeah, um, uh, obviously social media platforms, um, you know, there's tons of uh, professional groups on Facebook. You can find me there, Richard Fergosa. You can find me uh, on Twitter at rfergosa. Uh, You can find us on the website, Fergosa Design. My email is rich at fergosadesign.com. But I will always say, first and foremost, uh, the best place I hope you can find me would be here at avianation.tv in our suite of shows here with my partner. Actually, we pulled double duty this week. So it was a... Kind of a good one. We uh, we were on uh, Resi Week earlier in the week, and and now with our own, we uh, actually we we took a hostile takeover of the show halfway through. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously here, Aviation TV, um, 
state of control, reach out to us. Um, you know, we're constantly looking for your feedback, so don't be afraid uh, to to reach out. I mean, it's it's definitely we make these shows because we want to make them relevant, and so the best way for us to be relevant is for you to tell us what you think is relevant. And I couldn't have said that any better myself, so we'll we'll leave that there. But yeah, um, if you could, you know, just let us know what you want to hear more about, and uh, leave us a rating, review, share an episode that would mean the world to us. And uh, for me, you could reach me at Steve Greenblatt on most social platforms. Twitter and LinkedIn are the ones that I'm most active. My company, Control Concepts, is at controlconcepts.net. I do a little bit of blogging and other stuff there as well. So if you have some questions or want to reach out, I'm always glad to talk to people. And that's why we do this podcast. So with that said, uh, that's all we have for today. And this has been A State of Control. 